Spirit. Thank you for you've anointed me to preach, to teach, and to heal. We ask this morning that you open the eyes of our understanding, that we see your word for its intent, strengthening us and making us into the perfect people you've called us to be in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name of prayer. All right, so we continue with Johnny Man. Let's open our Bibles again now to the book of uh, Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. Quickly, Matthew 25, and then we'll start from verse 1. Are we there? All right, so there's a parable of the wise and foolish virgins. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. As now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, to go out to meet him. I'm sorry, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, give, me some, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Praise the name of the Lord. So, I said when we started reading this, that though uh, this, this is not necessarily about Johnny Member, we can ex- extract from, from the parable, we can teach with the parable, because it's just an occurrence, the same thing we see in uh, normal day-to-day life. So it's a people who were on the journey or who were on the path to meet the bridegroom and then they had a phase of preparation. They had a phase where they could get everything they needed for that journey. And then in this um, parable here, the Lord Jesus classified them into two groups. He said some were wise and then the other five were foolish. And then we can see in their acts or in their attitude um, towards the journey what qualified them for wisdom and for foolishness. So, in the beginning was planning, and um, we started saying that uh, two weeks ago when we started um, this, and I said to you also last week that this is not something to spiritualize. And let's read, let's read Luke 16. So, I drive my point from there also. Luke chapter 16, quickly. Luke chapter 16. Now, this is a parable again that Jesus is teaching with Luke chapter 16 from verse 1. He also said to his disciples, he says, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. And so he called him and said to him, says, What is this that I hear about you? He says, Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, he says, What shall I do for my master is taking the stewardship away from me? He says, I cannot dig. I'm ashamed to beg. He says, I have resolved what to do. And when I'm put out of stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. Five now. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, he says, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. He says, then he said to another, how much do you owe? So he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly with, or for the sons of this, for he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. Now, this is where we're going. And Jesus said, I say to you, he says, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fall, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Now, that's King James, yes? Let's go to, you have message version of the Bible. So, we just do Luke chapter 16 again, from verse 8 to 9. I, I usually don't like the message version, but it speaks, uh, it's still the Bible. So it's all good, not matter whether I like it or not. But do we have message version? 
Okay, we have it there. All right. So now, this is Jesus speaking. He says, I want you to be smart in the same way. But he says now, for what is right. He says, using every adversity to stimulate you to what? To creative survivor. He says, to concentrate your attention on the bare essentials so you live. He says, really live and not complacently just get by on good behavior. Praise the name of the Lord. And then Jesus went on to make these comments. If you are honest in small things, you'll be honest in big things. Take it back to that nine. And we'll just, we'll just stay there. And then this is Jesus telling them to be smart. He says to be smart and use every adversity to stimulate creative survivor. King James said, make friends with unrighteous mammon. He says, so that when things fail, you'll be able to make home everlasting. And now that's Jesus teaching this wisdom. You know, if you were to be someone else, maybe we won't take it that serious. You know? And that's why I was saying that we do not spiritualize journeymen. And so someone will wonder, why are you saying that? Aren't we, aren't we spiritual people? And someone will wonder, well, how do we spiritualize church things? Uh, even from when we started and talking with quite a number of people, you know, some people have good testimonies, some people have on the other side, and then they will say, well, I thought these things, I mean, I'm telling you real life issues, yes, of people giving feedback. And say, well, I thought it was just to pray about it. You know, for example, uh, some time ago, I was talking with this person. They had encountered a couple of failures and something. So they made up their mind and said, Well, I'm not just going to put my, I won't put myself out there again. So I will sit down here and God must do a miracle. So I said, No miracle will happen. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. I said, I know he's a righteous endeavor. You just want to pray and see God, you know, just come down with power in your room. Bow and. And something happens. I said, no. You will reach out to people. You will put yourself out there. You will sell your product. Because miracles happen. And wisdom is also a kind of miracle. And then the wisdom to put yourself out there. Yeah, is a miracle from God. Because he gives you that kind of wisdom. So we pray and then we make power available. But when power begins to be distilled. It gets distilled in wisdom. So one of the things you bring out from the place of prayers, and we've talked on that before, there was a whole month we were going on and on and talking about praying and receiving strategies. Because the end point of prayer is not just to feel good about praying and maybe the number of hours you've prayed. Meanwhile, you should pray for a lot of hours. But that's not the end of it. The end of it is to, is to be able to distill the wisdom as a result of the power you've generated in the place of prayers. And so... One of those things we started talking about last week, we were talking about associations, we were talking about friendships, relationships, and, and mentorship, acquaintances, and all of that. Again, real life situation. And you'll find out people who couldn't differentiate all, um, all of that, you know, turn this to the other, take friends as acquaintances, and do not give the kind of um, commitment they should give to those relationships. And then we have Jesus here saying, I want you to be smart in the same way that that servant was being smart. Of course, that servant's smartness was, was not good, but he's saying there's something you can learn from this guy. He was going to save himself. He was going to preserve himself. But he says now that but for what is right, he says using everyday adversity to stimulate you to creative survivor. And so when we started saying it, I said some people had those questions. And it's fine. Meanwhile, let, let me tell you, we have a kind of policy here. If we teach something you don't understand, just ask me. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise God. Just ask me. I remember I've stayed in church with some people two hours. We were, it doesn't matter. I don't, whatever kind of knowledge you had before, it's the Bible, yes? We can keep discussing and keep discussing. If you don't agree, I send you away. But I'm just joking. Yeah, but we can keep discussing, you know, until we arrive at what the Bible is saying. Praise the name of the Lord. So don't, don't have your questions and just, and just go on and say, well, in church, maybe you've had those kind of experiences. You have a question and they tell you the Holy Spirit should 
interpret to you. The person who taught you should interpret what he's saying. Praise the name of the Lord. And so if it's a man that has taught you, the man should explain what he's saying. So please send your questions, ask your questions. Yes. Because, like I was saying, so you find people not giving the kind of commitment they should give to these relationships Now that is able to preserve them. That is able to help them survive. So you can have people who are only praying to God. And that's, that's for people who even pray because there's, there's another side of people who don't even pray at all. But we're interested in helping people who really pray. And then they've thought about it that, well, maybe prayer is just the only way. I will pray. I will spend my time praying. No, there's that wisdom for survival. And then there's such a thing as the gift of men. And that is God, if God is going to help a person, then he places them in environments. He places them in places where they are able to meet people. Where they are able to meet people who will pull their hands. Where they are able to meet people who will hold their hands and guide them. But it's the job or it's the believer's job to be able to discern that God has placed me around this kind of people. It's the believer's job to be able to sit and discern that well, since God has placed me around this kind of people, I will just maximize these relationships. I will give it every kind of commitment. You know, last week now, we're saying uh, that so if you find friends who or you find people who have what you need, I said maximize it. In fact, I said in a crude way, I said, squeeze the relationship dry. Praise the name of the Lord. And then someone will, someone, a righteous person, righteous thinking now, we say, well, isn't that selfish? But wisdom tells you, you need help. And then wisdom told you last week that, well, you extend the first hand of fellowship. Because now that's how not to be selfish. So you are out there looking for a way to be valuable. I said last week that the world, everything you can think of gravitates towards value. Everything gravitates towards value. And so if you have value to give from the beginning, you won't lack friends. I mean, I say that boldly. You won't. And I, I use the example of church. I said, so we have the word to give. And then people are being blessed by the things we teach. And so people begin to gravitate in that direction. Why? Because the word of the Lord is there and they know that they need this word for their life. They know that, well, if my life will turn out good, then I need the word of God. So they find a place where the word of the Lord is being taught well. They find a place where the word of the Lord is being explained. And then they sit down there to learn. So it's value first being given out. So they gravitate towards that value. And you see on and on through the word of God, the same thing. God would want us to come back in fellowship with him. And so, even before people came and said, well, my lifetime, I will give God my lifetime. Firstly, Jesus came and said, well, I laid down my life for my friends. So, firstly, he was offering value. So, before anybody can say, well, I'm giving my life to Christ. And that's why there's always that argument that um, at the point of salvation, it's not you giving your life to Christ. It's you first accepting his life because he died. And then you, you've not died yet. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. And so, firstly, Jesus appeared. He was teaching people. He was healing and telling them of God's intent to bring them back into fellowship with him. You see, firstly, value from his place. And now he has a lot of people also bringing back value in the sense that we're going into the whole world to preach the gospel, getting more people saved, getting more people delivered from oppression and all of that. So I'm saying that every believer must find that place of giving value first. Because when you check, up, when, when you check it, so many people, quite a number of people, are necessarily not giving value. Meanwhile, that's how the world system operates. Praise the name of the Lord. So someone is looking for friends. He says, nobody cares about me. Firstly, you've got to care about somebody. The world gravitates towards value. So, and you see that God made this easy with us. Firstly, by giving us the spirit. So we're saying, someone is maybe asking, says, well, how do I know what value I have to give? You know, last week, 
and the week before we were saying even in crude ways, we said kindness, yes? But let's, if you check um, Galatians now, chapter 5, when we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, what now? 22. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Quickly, let's go there. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Are we there? Now, but it says now, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I says the fruit of the Spirit that you already have is this. So now, you're not necessarily going out to look for maybe a gift that you have. And then we should talk about that too. We'll talk about that sometime later. But we're saying the first things that the Lord would give to the believer to make profit with are already inside of the believer. So it's not a struggle. I know we had one uh, Bible study. Was it Bible study? And then we're asking questions that what if you have kindness first and you don't have all of that? Sunday, Sunday school? Bible study? You're not even sure. Do... In both of them. Which one was the last? Which month? So I is the answer. <laughs> praise the name of the Lord. So, but he says the fruit, praise God, of the spirit. He says the spirit has given you something. God has given you something in your spirit. And then the production or the produce is that the believer has what? Peace. Now, sorry, love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then for the spiritual man or for the religious man, maybe he's seen these things first as a way of relating with God. Yes, that's fine. And that's all right. But it's majorly a way to relate with other people. And I said, in, in giving value, I made the example last week that someone said another person smiled at them and it was impressive. Just a smile. And you know, culturally, culturally, they are, they are a group of people. Now, I won't mention so that just in case you have issues with people's culture. When, when you come with a need and you smile, you have a smiley face, they are more accepting and willing to help you. But you come and you're very serious. Holy, pious, and sanctimonious, and sacramental. <laughs> you know? You just know. I'm not. Then they treat you differently. But then they haven't even heard what you have to say, but coming with a smile is the same way you come to a person and then you greet them first and then they are willing to listen to you. But then... I mean, even in our normal interactions, someone just comes and says, um, Chidoze, can you help me? Why? <laughs> you know, now even if you don't say that, you go back home thinking and you're, you're wondering, what's, what's wrong with this guy? But then it's one of the tools or these are tools that are already given to the believer to make use of. And so you can't say as a believer that uh, it's hard for me to love. No, there's a practice of it. Praise the name of the Lord. It's simple. So it's given to you already. Those are things you have control over. Because the spirit is within. So you can learn to love. And then because we're on a journey, or we are in different journeys in life, and one of your tools is value. True value. God won't let you to, to roam around in darkness looking for some kind of serious value depending on what people have placed or called value in their minds. He gives you very simple things that within yourself, I taught it in one of the recalibrates, maybe, maybe in September, I was saying there are certain things you can control in life. And those are the things you are meant to focus on. Because if you focus on things you have no control over, you'll be in big trouble. But one of the things you can control, now you don't have to go far to be able to learn love. Praise the name of the Lord. You don't have to go far to be able to learn joy. In fact, the joy is in your spirit, the joy of the Lord. And so you can just get it out. 
peace. He says, if you are troubled, he says, pray. Be not what? For nothing. He says, but pray. And the result of that prayer is that what? The peace of the Lord. You see, you see now, you're not going out to look for it. Because that aspect of value or that fruit is inside of you. And so, it's easy to get them out. Now, the importance of that is that these things are the very first things we use in our interactions with people. So, if you are impatient, you will have a lot of problems with people. Praise the name of the Lord. And so, if you are impatient, you have a lot of problems, even with your friends. And so, they, they know you are a good person, but you have a short fuse. And so, if you always have a short fuse every time, you blow up. Praise the name of the Lord. So there, there comes a time, no matter how good you are, no, nobody can tolerate you. Because they don't know the slightest jokes they can make and then poof. They don't know, they don't know what they can say and you know, you're so sensitive. Someone said, mm. Praise the name of the Lord. And, but that's how we navigate life. So first things first. The things that are freely given to you. So we make use of those first. We make use of those in our interaction with people. And then when we're talking about long-suffering patience, you know, I said two weeks ago, again in a crude way, and the reason we say those is for us to be able to understand. We can have, you know, very fancy words to say all of that. And you know when I was saying, well, you should be able to take a level of nonsense. Praise the name of the Lord. You remember when I was saying that? That everybody takes that. You can't just say, oh, I don't take nonsense. Then you walk away. You, you, you know, such a person will walk away from a lot of good things in their life. But then those things just need a little more time. It just needs a little more time. I was, I was giving us a testimony. I, I'll say it again. That, so sometime last year, I think, yeah, sometime last year, and I would have blown this relationship with these guys because of how they were talking. You know, they just talk. And I remember I said, I, I, I called Mr. F he happened to call me in that period of time. And I said, you, you see these guys? He said, I'm just going to call their bluff today. I tell them what. So he said, calm down. said, meanwhile, I had started thank God for WhatsApp. You know, you can delete. <laughs> so I just ran there, delete, delete, delete. And thank God for blue ticks, so I knew they have not read it. <laughs> Those of you who don't have blue ticks, why? Well, what are you hiding? You, you don't have, you don't have. <laughs> why? So, so that you can know where you're in trouble on time. <laughs> <laughs> so quickly I went there I deleted the message deleted, deleted and I was calm but inside of me I, I still wasn't really calm because I felt well, he, was, he was taking too much of a cool part and you know these people have maybe done the same things repeatedly and over time over time you know I, I said that these guys had a particular access I needed and over time in just relating with them just that way. You see, I didn't need friendship. Praise the name of the Lord. They needed something or they, they had something I needed. And on the long run, they also need something that I have. And then over time, over time, over a period of time, now the relationship now kept blossoming. And then I began to understand the kind of people they were better. And when I was making this example, when I was giving us this, I said, because a lot of times we're not raised in the same places. You know, we don't have the same cultural backgrounds. And so not everybody talks the same way. And so sometimes someone talks to you. You know, you, you, you go to a particular group of people, they have a culture. When they want to talk to you, they say, come. You know, you know, uh, come here, in, even in the language here. Sounds funny. Get it, get it, get it. <laughs> Some of you don't know what I'm saying. You've been here for one year. What's getting? Someone said cow. Huh? Huh? Hurry. Hurry. Come quickly. Any other option? All right. So you, you just hear that kind of a thing and you're like, what? You know? <laughs> but it's the way they talk. For some people, their language sounds... They sound like they're fighting you constantly. And so, because they are learning English, they come with that same aggression. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. And so, you, you don't take nonsense. 
said, no, no, how can you be talking to me? Do you know, do you know what I'm going through? You better suffer long <laughs> and get what you need. Praise the name of the Lord. And that's wisdom in interacting with people. And believers must know all of this. So part of the things we said last week, we're talking about friendships and mentorship. So I got quite a number of uh, questions. So I'll talk a little bit about mentorship again. Yeah? Um, and this is, this is in how we relate with the people. Now, when you have mentors, there, there, there could be mentorship on very many levels. Praise the name of the Lord. So the issue now was really about the closeness with these people. Yes, the closeness. For example, in, in a professional field for someone, your mentor or your professional mentor doesn't have to know personal things about you. Praise the name of the Lord. But it doesn't change that person from being a mentor. So now there are some mentors that are quite close down to knowing very personal things about you. But then you must sustain the wisdom to maintain that kind of relationship. Now, because firstly, your mentor is more experienced than you are. Praise the name of the Lord. Your mentor is more knowledgeable than you are. And so there must never be that point where you get so comfortable, you know, uh, how do they say that? Um, familiarity over familiarity breeds. Someone says situation. See, finish. Where? Come on. What's C finish in English? Some of you two said C finish. What's, what's C finish in? Contempt. Disrespect. Thank God for your life. Praise God. Okay, so disrespect. Contempt. Say so over familiarity breeds contempt. Yes. So that, and this, this is the issue. It's not, it's not like you shouldn't get close to the mentor, but you get so close and so comfortable that the things they say do not make sense again. Or the things they say won't, won't, make, won't count as much. And it happens all the time. So someone has a mentor. And at some point, you start getting angry with your mentor for not checking up on you. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, so, you, you know, when we teach these things, people in the church are not involved. Praise God. Because the way they laugh, they say, is that so? <laughs> you say people in the church, they are never involved. They are all perfect and they don't, they don't do any of that. Except that now, I had a situation like that in church. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. You see, so now that's a mentee. I say, oh, you don't even care about me. Oh. Praise God. Stand, stand up. So now, you see the problem because you've left what you were looking for. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord now to attention. And those are two different things. And so you must be able to maintain that relationship that you are able to receive always from the mentor. And it's the same thing with spiritual relationships in the place of honor. You see, once honor is removed from the equation, you can't receive again. So anything they say, it won't strike a chord. You know, it would just be like, oh, my friend. And a lot of people don't even respect their friends. Meanwhile, they should be respecting friendships. So when your friend is saying something, something reasonable, I say, you, you, come on. <laughs> or you just ask, ah, you, you begin to have sense. So, you know? And you know what happens? You laugh over it. And in the next moment, you would have forgotten what they said. And so a lot of people lose out on these kind of relationships. But much more about the mentorship relationship. Yeah. So we're saying you could have some that are close to you. Yes. There are some that are close and no personal details about your life. But then those would, would somehow be drifting into the place of friendship. Yes. And the reason I'm saying this is because some people see some mentors that are not close to them and they refuse that kind of relationship. Or they see some that are far from them and say, well, since this person doesn't care about my life, then what are we, what are we doing? But unconsciously, people are actually being mentored by many far people. It's, it's just when it comes to physical relationships, then people begin having problems and all of those kind of things. So, for example, you have a spiritual book or you have, a, you have an author, you know, 
that talks about life issues, not necessarily even spiritual, you know, self-development, self-help. And then you're constantly reading this person such that the ideas you put out are mostly the ideas of that person. You see now, that person already mentors you. Whether in close proximity or not, that's a mentor. Praise the name of the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? And then everybody should have that because you're not wise on your own. You don't have all you need. And so you must pay attention to those things. So you look around, you don't find someone who has more knowledge than you, then you, you go online. You buy books. You listen to podcasts. I mean, serious ones. You, you get true knowledge because you're not wise on your own. And you must be able to leverage on those kind of relationships because God puts you amongst people, God puts you amongst mentors for you to use them. And when I say use them, again, you must come to the place where you're not thinking of use as something selfish. Make use of every kind of relationship. Praise the name of the Lord. Do we understand that now? So there are some mentors that will be close to you. There are some that will be far. And you must learn how to maintain all of that. Praise the name of the Lord. So I just thought, yeah, because of some of the questions, I thought I, thought I was going to uh, talk about that. So yes, um, we're talking about the closeness. Yes, so you could have mentors in your field of study. You could have mentors in your career. And yes, all of that. Then we've talked about the fruit of the Spirit. Yes, that this is the first set of values that you have. And then when we're talking about going on a journey or in the journey of life, you must make use of these values that are, that are inherent, that are, that are placed inside of you. Is inherent the word? All right, good. So now you have those values that are already inside of you. You, you make or you do business with them on the first level. So, but the other part of what we're considering today, today, uh, because in, in life's journey or in the journey, as we've said, in journeymen, there are different milestones. There are different milestones. And uh, one of the things we want to deal with is, is failure on the journey. Praise the name of the Lord. Failure on the journey. So some people have thought that, well, maybe once you're a believer, then you can't fail. And then some people say, well, if you're a believer, you can never fail. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. How many people have failed at something here before? Raise up your hand. If I see someone who has not failed, we'll just leave the mic to you. And you come and teach us. Raise it away. <laughs> Evelyn. Oh, you are raising up your hand. All right. <laughs> so are you believers? But you failed at something. I'm not going to say failure is normal. Because that's another harm. Praise the name of the Lord. So you have maybe two extremes of that. So you have on one side some motivational speakers, and they are not that bad. Motivational speakers are good sometimes. Um, you have them on one side saying, well, I never failed. You know, I just started things, and then they were just going, you know, like the wind. Uh, like, wow, what is my life? <laughs> then you have another set of people they have confraternized or fraternized with failure so there's this camaraderie amongst them so oh you failed at it oh, oh yeah. <laughs> those are the two extremes because some are like well I failed too you failed wow 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 we've <laughs> we failed so there's an association of <laughs> <laughs> And then there's this person in between who sees the two groups and then they are confused. Well, failure, yes, is a part of life. And I'll tell you why we fail. One of the reasons we fail is because we do not maximize relationships amongst us. One of the reasons. Say, for example, now we talk about mentorship. We talk about acquaintances. So now, you see a person who wants to start out at something. And 
Remember when we said in starting the journey, there's a place of conceptualizing, there's a place of sitting down and thinking, seeing everything ahead. So now, a lot of people miss that step and then jump into the middle of it. Now, until someone says it consciously, many people do not, do not know that they have to learn everything. Praise the name of the Lord. You should know that every knowledge, every kind of knowledge you can come across stands on an existing body of knowledge. So it's like knowledge upon knowledge. So how many of you have started out something without doing a thorough research? You just got that and went on it. Be bold. You see now, a lot of people. And so when that happens, there's already a culture of shame you know, so it's either you're so disappointed and you're like, well, I won't try again. And then you find comrades who are sitting in that place with, with the joy of failure. Praise the name of the Lord. So you can find a lot of people who are also talking about failure, but never did a thorough research in setting out to do that thing. So now because you've seen a couple of people do it, well, what's there? I mean, if this person can do it, why not me? Praise the name of the Lord. So it looks easy, but you don't know the, the process, those who are doing that particular thing. So I remember during the summer, yeah? So we went out, and then, this was Victor and I. So <laughs> we went out, and, okay, we traveled with a group of people. The rest of you don't know what happened. Oh, they told you. You didn't know. So we, we went out, and then, so there, there was a lake, you know, and so Victor and I went there, and there were quite a number of people, you know, they just get into the boats, so there were these boats, and pedaling, it, it didn't look manly, you know, actually I get and, and pedal, it's a bicycle, so I said, I want paddling boats, praise God, so they gave us the boats, <laughs> so one guy comes there, and he just gets on the boat. You know, he just rows and paddles on both sides. <laughs> he had gone. <laughs> See, thank God for life. <laughs> hey, praise God. You see, when we are saying pray, <laughs> pray for believers, pray. Pray that the mercy of the Lord, you know, you know it's real. By your mercies, we are not consumed. So, we're on the boat. We paddled for like five minutes. We didn't live where we were. <laughs> with all my strength, with all, <laughs> with all my heart, I looked at the other people. Is it not like this? So now the guy came and said, "Not good, not good." My man, like we know. So he. <laughs> So, firstly, we were even sitting down wrongly. But we were on the boat in the middle of the... <laughs> so, well, we got it sometime later on, after about 15 minutes. Then when we got to one place, so I told Victor, I said, you know what, let's, let's just stay here. Let's not move too far from those guys, you know. So, so that we'll go back. So, when we got it, I picked my phone. I called my wife. I said, girl, come here, come here. You, you know, but you see, she didn't see the whole process of us. And some guys were looking at us from the other side of the lake. Wondering, wondering what was going on. You see the example? It looks easy. Everybody was doing it. And that's the same attitude we have to even real life situations. So you just have an idea. You feel, I like this. I like this kind of trade. I like this kind of business. Then you just jump into it because you think it's just buying and selling. You just jump into it because, you know, you've had people, you ask them, this happens a lot amongst guys. You know, you're trying to make a football team. Then you ask everybody. This guy comes, he says, yeah, I play football. Hmm, really? I'm a striker. Hmm. Then you get on the pitch, he can't even kick the ball, you know? Or he's running outside the pitch. He said, the ball has gone out. He said, no, no. You said, <laughs> but he just assumes that he can do it. And that's, that's one of the points we started discussing, the law of recognition. You've got to recognize that you can't. You don't know how to do it. Yes, some things come naturally. But even as 
that gift or that knowledge comes naturally to you, you must be able to hone it because it can get better. And so you can see a singer, for example, now who is learned or a singer who has gone through practice and another person who is just, is just um, a talent, you know? So now, the person who just has the natural talent, you give them a mic and they're just running riffs from the beginning to the end. From the beginning to the end. But then you see the person who is well taught and who is learned. He knows that we're not embellishing from the beginning to the end because it makes no sense. It's like a footballer. So the guy just wants to do skills and he has forgotten that the aim is to win the match. So you see the singer, then there's something that already differentiates them. Now this person knows that, well, um, yes, I can sing a little, but then I learned the art. And then you can tell with time. You know, time will differentiate them that this person was actually well taught. And so a lot of times people do not learn things. Many of us are guilty of it. We just jump out. And because there's already a culture of shame all around you know, there's a shame. Oh, someone started something. Because sometimes, even when we start something, we let everybody know. You know, you, you don't go through a phase of just doing your stuff on your own. So now, you've not learned it. And then you tell everybody, you see, I'm starting, I'm starting a business. Follow my page. Because you, you thought sales just happened in... <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. I'm not laughing at, at you. Praise God. Because it's a serious issue. So, but you must be able to put yourself through a learning process. So, you want to ask people who are into that. I, I told you last week, confusion does not need pride. You, if you're confused about something, if you have no knowledge about something, all you've got to do is to learn. And you must come to that point of realization, you know, the law of recognition. That I don't know this, but I'll go for knowledge. And I'll go for knowledge till the end. You know, I've just got to know it. Because if you don't learn it, you, you will... You see, the failure will be so repetitive, it will, it will be on repeat. Because there's no accurate knowledge. And then we have a day and time where, where people, people want to do things without knowledge. You know, because you want to feel gifted. Where did you learn? You say, I didn't learn it. Oh. You know, praise the name of the Lord. You know, you feel proud that way. Say, how, how did you know it? Well, it's grace. Praise the name of the Lord. We, we thank God. You know, it's amongst believers. If you meet someone who's never been to church, if you say, how, how did you know it? He, he's able to tell you. Of course, some people just, they just lie and they say they are gifted. Let me tell you something. Uh, nobody is truly that gifted. Yes, to be able to do things at a level of perfection. Praise the name of the Lord. So some people realize they are gifted. Yes. And then they begin to hone it. They begin to get better. To be able to deliver at a level that gives serious and true value to everyone. Praise the name of the Lord. So it's one of the causes of failure when we do not have accurate knowledge about the thing. And so you must be able to pay for knowledge. You must be able to buy knowledge. You must be so humble that you would do anything for knowledge. Because failure is a discouragement for many. And it's true. There are very few people who are motivated by failure. You know, there's a lot of others in that say failure is a stepping stone. Some people just, just they threw that stone away. <laughs> Immediately they failed. Come on. And then because every other person said, well, I tried it once. Ah, it didn't work. Then you see five other people. And they said, no, this is not the stone I need. But for some people, it's a motivation. They fail and then they're just trying to see. Well, it can happen. Now, another reason, yes, is not having, is not having the vision or the big picture in mind. And remember we said uh, when we started reading in that place in the book of Matthew, yes? That from the beginning of the journey, I believe the five wise people, the five wise virgins... They had looked into the future. And on their mind, the total picture was a meeting with the bridegroom. You see now, so, along the journey, if a person fails, but at the point of failure now, 
They have that picture. You see, you've built it so much in your mind that you cannot see anything else. There's a higher chance of you going back to the drawing board, re-strategizing, and trying to get to that destination. A lot of people sometimes do not have focus. So a little shaking, and then they are done. But you see, if you have the end, if you have the end goal in mind and you've looked at it so much that you don't have any other kind of option. You know, I was speaking to, uh, or a mentor was speaking some time ago. And then uh, he, he was in a particular line of business. And then we asked him and said, well, that now that you started this, how did you know you were going to be successful? And to an extent, we almost grew up with this mentor. I mean, so we know the true story. It's not those people that say, well, I was just successful from the beginning. You know, I did this business. It went well. Then I jumped into this and it went well. No, he wasn't those kind of people. Then he said he didn't have any other option. Now, that, that was quite serious. So he said, well, it's either this works or it works. And we know that he spent a number of years, you know, trying and trying again. So that business didn't work the first time. The next set of funds he got, he was investing again. You know, he was talking to people. He was learning again. Because he had that big picture. That, well, in this number of years, this is where I'm going to get to. And so he learned, he kept learning, he kept learning. As I speak right now, he's in school. Now, he has this level of success in that field. But because that's his only option. And I'm not saying, I'm not here to tell you to have only one option or two options. Praise the name of the Lord. Whatever kind of options you want, that's your business. But the main thing is having that at the forefront of your mind, is having that picture constantly. Focus having the big picture continuously. You know, some people cannot stay in one or on one lane for just a week. Praise the name of the Lord. So on Monday, these fails, they've looked for something else. And so because they didn't give it enough time, they didn't see that they were close to, to hitting gold. They didn't see that they were close to hitting oil. But so just one trial. And I know someone right there, someone sitting there is saying, well, but it's not easy. You see, that's the problem. That's the problem. Do you want results or not? And so you must be able to stay, continue seeing the big picture so that when you fail, you know, well, what, what happened? Is it, I'm not leveraging on the relationships I have because that's important. So when you fail, is it, is it that I lack focus? Remember the Bible was telling us, it said, lay aside every Wait, so that you may run. So because sometimes people are looking at everything, every other kind of thing. And it's not right for the believer. It's not right for anybody. You just have to get that, that tunnel vision. Just looking at one thing, or with maybe two things. But you must spend your time looking at it so much that other things around do not distracts you. Remember the point we are on is that having, having a vision, having a goal. Have you met people who say, who say I, don't, I, don't, I don't work with goals? Praise the name of the Lord. Says I don't, I don't set goals. There are many people like that. You know, sometimes it's as a result of, of failing at something. You know, but it doesn't mean you should stop setting goals. Praise the name of the Lord. I mean, at least you would have set a goal. Praise God. Setting a goal, you've won. You've won something. You set a goal. Even if you didn't hit it, it's effort. E for effort. E for effort. Praise the name of the Lord. When you have vision to accomplish something, when the vision and the big picture is stuck in your mind, you're able to discern the resources needed for that. Because again, you know, some people say, well, I don't see how I can, 
I can get any kind of help. Value or, or things gravitate towards value, yes? If you do not have the vision of where you're going, it's hard to attract the resources you need. Now, you, because you must be able to believe so much in that vision to be able to convince other people. Praise the name of the Lord. So now, a person who has no vision has nothing to stick to. And so, if you're not sticking to something, so today, you know, you have this dream. You're not sticking enough to it. It, it fails. But you expect people to always come to your aid. You know, people will wonder, what's, what's wrong with this guy? So yesterday, this is the kind of thing you wanted to do. You know, today, this is the kind of thing you wanted to do. Come on, why are you everywhere? And so it's tough. It's difficult to convince people to come to your aid. In fact, it's difficult to convince God. Praise the name of the Lord. Ask of me what you want. But you see, God, today, if he's only wanting, then next, tomorrow, you say, well, it's, it's, not, it's not really this, um, this thing. today is just money, money, money. Then, God, girlfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend, boyfriend, then next week, you know, just many different things. And the Lord Jesus himself taught us about importunity in prayers. So, importunity in prayer, and he, he, he taught it this way. He says there's an unrighteous judge. And then there's a woman who has a case. But you see, it was one thing. Now, like for, I, I've given the example that it necessarily doesn't have to be one thing. Yes, But if it's a group of things, it must be those things continuously. Now, imagine, imagine the woman and the judge. Media, can you, can you look for the scriptures for me? Imagine the woman at the judge. So today, she comes with a case. And then she goes back home and then her neighbors fight her. And then she comes again with the case of the neighbor. And then she goes back home and then he's her family members. And then she's coming back. Now, what do you want us to, to attend to? Do you have focus? And so in that way, the person is not able to help. So, but one of the things, having a goal or having a vision will help you is to be able to attract the resources. You'll be able to discern the resources around you. You'll be able to attract the resources around you. Because first, you've got to believe in what you're, you're doing. Praise the name of the Lord. You've got to believe in what you're doing. And even as humans, if, 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 if someone needed your help, you know, and they just come, and, and, okay, I'll give a very clear example. You know, I had a program, a mentorship program, and just had people reach out to me. Then I had people who, who actually told me, that they don't know what they want, but they just want to grow. Praise God. Even if I was the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Did say so I don't I don't know what I want. I just want to grow. So I was shocked. In fact, some for some people, in fact, late, lately that was the cave, the last one we did. I didn't answer some people. After reading the email, I like what's what what do you want help with? So I just closed it out. Because I can't I can't help in this. And then some people have testimonies of that program. Because some people followed up and in the period of that, they were able to pick the things that they achieved from it. But then those people had a goal in mind. They had something they wanted to do. And so it was easy to work together. But some of them, some just said, I just, some people would just say, I just want to grow in every aspect. What, what is every aspect? Praise the name of the Lord. And I know some people are saying, what if you want to grow in every aspect? Let me tell you, the, the problem you've not grown, or the reason you've not grown, is because of that question. You want to grow in every aspect. No, can you pick two things? Can you pick three things? Can you pick five things? And stay on those things. Now, I'll tell you something that sounds contradictory to what... My God. I'll tell you something that sounds contradictory to what I just said now. Sometimes some people are doing it too many things. Praise the name of the Lord. And it, it, it's not like you shouldn't do too many things because some people have capacity for a lot of things. You know, you just sit down, you feel you're so gifted, you have a lot of ideas. But you know, you can't step into all the ideas and get good all at the same time once. Praise the name of the Lord. So now, think of it this way. If you build up a skill first, 
to a level of perfection, then you don't have to share your time in learning other things at the same time. Now, I'll, I'll try to explain that now. So, what kind of gifts should we talk about now? Okay, Chibuzo, how, how, many, how many things do you do? Now, that's, that's a skilled craftsman. Praise the name of the Lord. Clap for him. <laughs> don't mind me. But how, how, many, how many things do you do? Okay. Did you learn them at the same time? So, it, it's like one got to a serious level first before picking another. And you see, it's easier that way. But some people want to learn very many things at the same time and get good in all of them at the same time. But then that's spreading yourself too thin. You know, so you're trying to learn four languages at the same time. Duolingo. <laughs> For five months, the only thing you know in French is bonjour. <laughs> because you are learning French, German, Russian, and Mandarin. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So when they speak one, you are first thinking, is this German? Is this Russian? But you know, if you get to level of perfection in one, then the speed in attaining that one, you know, there's, you, you're able to have much speed in attaining that one. And then you have more time for another. Praise the name of the Lord. Because you focused all energy into one thing. You focused all time into one thing. All resources into one. And so quickly you're able to attain a level of proficiency. Then you jump into another one. But in learning all at the same time, you're spread too thin, your mind is overworking itself, you get tired, and then failure happens. And then discouragement sets in because there's a culture of shame. And let me tell you, the culture of shame will never live. Praise the name of the Lord. But the, the, the way you work against that yeah, is to seek right knowledge, is to face certain things is to face particular things, is to sit down with tunnel vision, just looking at a particular group of things, receiving good knowledge. Praise the name of the Lord. All right, I'll just try to read some things that I've, I've written. Are you getting blessed this morning? Now, because of our time, I didn't know I've spoken so much. Is that time correct? Are you sure? <laughs> Is it correct? Is you know daylight savings and all of that? Did we change it? <laughs> just, just in case. All right. So in our journey, yes, we've been talking about associations, and yeah, and I'm telling us, or I've been telling us, that we should be able to maintain, we should be able to discern, and then sometimes um, people are wondering why maybe they do not have much help on on something. Praise the name of the Lord. Have you ever complained about that before? If you have, you just wonder, why, why are people not helping? You know, why do I not have this help? Why do people not care? Sometimes you even need some kind of validation for someone to tell you that, well, what you're doing is, is serious. You see, the way the world works, and it will never change, praise the name of the Lord, is, is the same thing I've said before, that everything gravitates towards value. So until something is producing a level of results, nobody will associate with it. And you do the same. Praise the name of the Lord. You do the same. You never go to someone who is not skilled. Say, for example, you need photography for, for your graduation and all of that. Then you go online and you see some guy who takes pictures with maybe their, their, their phones. But when they take it, the alignment is... It looks like the person is carved, you know. And you just look and say, well, maybe I should, I should help this guy. I encourage him for your graduation pictures or your wedding pictures. And so when your kids see it, you say, I just encourage them. <laughs> you know, nobody does that. So you must be able to get to a level of proficiency first before anybody associates with you. And it's the same thing with people. You do that. So when something is not good, you're able to discern what you like and what you don't like. And so it's a sense of entitlement not to have reasonable results and expect people to just 
gravitate towards you. No, you can't have bad character and say, well, I don't have friends. No. Now, even the person complaining about uh, people not gravitating towards them also will not go to a person who has bad characters. Praise the name of the Lord. So you must, you must be able to build yourself up. Another thing, yes, in, in, in seeking for validation, and, and we'll just we'll just wrap up. We'll just wrap up there. In, in seeking people's validation. Now, you get most of the help you need when you get good at something. Praise the name of the Lord. And that's why we've said from the beginning that it's intrinsic. It's inherent, the things the Lord has given to you. So firstly, there are certain things you can control by yourself. And even much more than the fruit of the Spirit, you can control you learning something. You can control yourself learning something. You can control your mastery of something. Praise the name of the Lord. You can. You can control the level at which you receive knowledge. You can. You can control how much value you can give. You can control your output. And so in as much as you have control over certain things, you've got to maximize that control. Because it's the first set of tools that you have. Now, all the tools will not come at the same time. Because now there's the tools of human resources. Yes, like we said. So, But then before people begin to gravitate and give their help in that thing, you must be able to show them or give them a level of confidence that this thing that they are believing in is true. Nobody wants to invest in something that they know we fail. And it's the same with you. Now, in the culture of shame, the culture of shame will not be eliminated in, in our environment, praise the name of the Lord, but internally, with you and your group of friends that you have, the culture of shame can be eliminated. Again, it's something intrinsic. It's something inside of you. Because if you know that you have a goal, then you can just take it that, well, if I fail, it's because I do not have accurate knowledge and you have a self-determination, you know, to make that thing work. You have a self-determination to succeed. Now, it drowns other voices. Praise the name of the Lord. It drowns other voices. And sometimes it's even you. It's even the believer. It's even the person that is thinking everybody sees that failure. John C. Maxwell says something. He says, if you know how much people do not think about you, he says, you'll be mad at yourself. You know, you want to step out and do something and you're saying, well, what will people say? A lot of times, people do not care. People are just about their own lives. And a lot of times, what if people even care? You know, you say, what will people say? Now, you're also learning that culture of shame. And then you're saying people will talk about it. You know, many times, yeah? We are a result of what, what we do. Now, I explain what I'm saying. So, when many times you're saying what we people say, uh, the reason you're thinking that way is because a lot of times you're also saying things about people. Preaching good, yeah? Does that make sense? So, the things you do, you think every other person is doing it. So one day someone said, oh, people will talk about it. I said, I said, that's not the issue. I said, let people talk. I said, do you talk about other people? And the person said, yes. I said, then it's fine if they, they should talk. You talk. <laughs> you know, each should cancel each other. Somebody is confused. They don't understand what I'm saying. It's because you do it a lot. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So, but when you cancel that culture of shame within you, you're not so focused on what people are doing. Whatever they are doing is their business. But you're focused on getting it right. You're focused on getting out with good grades. You, you'll, be, you'll be less concerned and you won't really even hear when people are failing. Praise the name of the Lord. Because you're so focused on what you need to do. But sometimes you have people's mind. You know everybody that has failed around. Praise the name of the Lord. So why do you know so many people that have tried and failed? Uh, could it be you're focusing on failures? Praise the name of the Lord. 
So what if you have another attitude and you know everybody, you know 10 people that have succeeded at that thing. Now that's a better way to think because if you see 10 people that have succeeded, that means your eyes are on your goals. And so you see everybody that is gravitating towards that same kind of goal. And so because your eyes are on the goals, yeah, so you've seen people that reached it. You've seen more people that reached the goal, the end point, than people who didn't reach Praise the name of the Lord. So if you're racing and you see people in front of you, you see, going fast, going fast, you, you're trying to catch up with them. You're trying to reach where they reach. You, you, you know, you won't see the people who fell behind. Because your race is against the time and you're competing with people in front of you. Does that make sense to you? So we have something to look at. So when you, once your eyes are on the goals or on your goal, then the culture of shame is, is really removed because even when you fall, you're still looking at people who succeeded. Because even when you fall, you're still looking at people who have made it. Are you blessed this morning? Can we be on our feet? And we'll just wrap it up. Can you just lift up your hands and say, Father, we bless you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless your name. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, as we say thank you, Lord Jesus, for some of you, you just want to tell yourself, I'm not a failure. Because the Lord has made me a success. You just want to tell yourself, my victories are short because I learned the right things. Because the right people come my way, I gravitate towards the right people too. In the name of Jesus. Father, we bless your name. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your inspiring word in the hearts of everyone. And we ask that even the tools you've given us, we come conscious of them this morning in the name of Jesus. We ask that you help us to remember, even as we go through the week, the right things to do, the right things to say, the right way to act in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray.